Good morning. First time in uh, Wilmore, Kentucky, and uh, I've heard about it all my life. My mother and father and grandmother and grandfather come from the United Methodist uh, background of churches in a small town in uh, Galax, Virginia. I have ministered many times in churches throughout the Appalachian region and ended up myself in uh, Ohio at this time in my life. So it is a real honor to be with you. We, have, we send students here from Ohio Christian University and uh, Gene's down here for one and others uh, that I know of that have come through. We've had Dr. John Oswald a few times up in Circleville. He knows where it is if no one else does. And, uh, and also we've had Dr. Dennis Kinlaw who has impacted my life tremendously. Thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning. I was thinking of this time with you and I do not claim to be a theologian. Now I've had 17 hours of Greek. I taught Greek actually for a year. I've uh, taken the time to dabble in such things. You are far beyond where I am at this time in seminary. I did a degree in a small Bible college, and after that I felt the Lord directing me, actually in Bible college, to prepare myself to be a Christian college administrator. I had planned to be a veterinarian. Uh, that was my dream. Uh, my whole life had prepared for that with math and science, but at 18 years old, God began to say, give me your heart. And so at that time, I, uh, after finishing Bible college, I went on to the University of Kansas and did my master's, did doctoral work at the West Virginia University in higher education administration, then went on to Harvard and did some studies, postdoctoral studies. And as I did those things, God made it abundantly clear that I was to be in Christian college administration. I tell you that because right now in America, I chair the board of Bible colleges, about 200, 250 colleges that we have, and we cannot find prepared administrators for this day. So one of my passions is to challenge you to allow God to speak to you about the whole idea of administration. And today you can't just be a theologian or a pastor and lead a college. There's far, far more preparation required, Title IX, Title IV, and all the issues that are, that are out there. And so I challenge some of you to think about that as you are preparing. You do need the pastoral ministries. You do need the other aspects of going out. I pastored for a while. I did work in areas of ministry. So you need that in order to lead effectively. But think about that as you go forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 was a verse that I shared one Sunday morning in Winchester, Indiana. And the verse reads this way, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This morning, I want to do something very practical. I'm not giving you a sermon, taking a passage and looking at it, exegeting it, or doing expositional preaching this morning. I'm going to share with you a few tools that I've found at 50 years old now 
on how to get through life when you're in ministry, when you're in the hard times. I call it the leader's kit, survival kit, uh, for grace tools. The purpose is to encourage you as leaders of the faith by presenting you some grace tools for the journey. So you're here studying and preparing yourself, and I remember those days. They're the best days, by the way, you'll ever have. You'll look back very fondly on them uh, as you leave this place, and then you go out and you face the real world, as we say. It's during those times in which you see the realities of life coming to bear, and you wonder, how do I make it through these times? It's one thing to go through life, but if you really want to have an impact on life, if you want to grow a university or grow a church or grow a ministry and see God begin to bless that ministry, you're going to need some tools to get you through those times. At 30 years old, just finishing my doctorate, here was the way my life started. Have you ever had a bad day? 60 miles an hour, I spoke on this passage of Scripture that I read to you. At 60 miles an hour, a gentleman hit me three minutes after I spoke on that Sunday morning in the church, head on, spun around, and then came into my side, and I was trapped in a car for 45 minutes. And I remember that experience like it was yesterday as I began to cry out to God, and then I went into unconsciousness. That impact, as I was doing 45 miles an hour, had thrown me 80 feet out into a cornfield in my car, and he had gone 120 feet the opposite direction. As I came to a second time after that incident, I remember some distinct things that I want to share with you that I have used for the last 25 years to make it through life. But let me give you just a little more insight. This is what I walk on today. 13 screws in my lower back and hip area. I was told I would never walk again, but those screws are there like a chain link fence. So if I fall down, someone come and help me up. And uh, it's pretty fascinating. Just go get a screwdriver and we'll tighten the screws, okay? But uh, it's pretty fascinating. And I made it now for a number of years on this contraption that's within me. Here is my arm. You can't see it so well due to the lighting. But this is my arm. I have a three-inch screw for an elbow. I have two steel plates with 20 screws in here. I have a battery pack in this arm. I was told I would never move the arm again, but I'm getting there. I can't do that, but I'm over to this point in my arm, and I'm able to make it through life. So the whole left side was basically ruined. I had a blood clot at the base of my brain. I had double pneumonia after the incident. So I literally was fighting for every breath that I took. And I began to realize that I had some tough times ahead in life. This was my birthday, and that's where I ended up in one of my birthdays, my 30th birthday. I ended up with an external fixator on my arm. I could not get out of the bed, but there was my picture. And then uh, this is, I'll share, share this with you. This is where I defended my dissertation. You won't have that experience, I hope, but I had a Baptist minister at West Virginia University who said to me, four of your five committee members are getting ready to retire, 
He said, I've been dean for 22 years. I can do things no one else can do. So he went into the vice provost and he said to him, I'm getting ready to do something. Don't, I, don't ask me any questions, but I'm getting ready to do something we've never done at this university before. And he drove seven hours, Dr. John Andes, and I got up out of bed on pain medicine, my mind, I prayed for clarity, I, I was soaking wet with sweat, two and a half hours of defending my dissertation from a bedside is how I got my doctorate. Isn't God good to us? God's fantastic. God's fantastic. So who would know that I would have a Baptist minister do that for me? It's been, he's been one of my dear friends, one of my dear friends over the years. So how do we make it in life? How do we make it when we go through the hard times. There are four or five principles that I want to share with you this morning. First of all, principle number one. The presence of God is an absolute must in our life and provides comfort when we're going through the hard places. You know, when I was younger, when I was your age, I was new in my walk with Christ. I was trying to figure it out. And I sensed God there. But when you go through something like I've been through with this accident, the overwhelming presence of God was so real in that hospital room that even 20 years later, I can still remember how God was there. Don't be afraid, Isaiah 41 says. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I will never forget when I came to after about six days of going in and out of consciousness, I'll never forget waking up and realizing and sensing that God was with me. God was with me. The presence of God is something you can count on, students. It is something you will need to rely on. And when you have God dwelling within, it makes all the difference when you're going through the hard places in life. The last year has been a tough year for me. I've had a security threat on my life. As president of Ohio Christian University, God has allowed me opportunities. I serve on the Family Research Council Board with Tony Perkins out in Washington, D.C. I've been chair of ABHE in the last couple of years. I've been out speaking across the country, advocating with regard to faith and freedom, the whole initiative there, and I'm chair of Ohio's Faith and Freedom. When you are out front and trying to lead the battle, there are people and forces and spiritual forces that oppose you as you do those things. And in the last year, I have had to have police protection. I've had a security threat. Our home has been under protection from 9 o'clock in the evening until 7 o'clock in the morning. I've been on in situations where a man has challenged me publicly and was going to try to take my life but through all the things you face in ministry I have learned we can count on the overwhelming presence of God in those times to get us through it's a grace tool that we've been given the presence of God I've also learned that ministering angels are real I never ever, I'm not into an angel phenomenon in fact if you were to know much about me I'm 70-75% left brain I'm more analytical, I think through things, I'm not some overly emotional guy. All at times I do have some emotions, as all of us do, but I tend to think through, and I haven't been through the whole idea of angel phenomena and when everyone was talking about it, but I was intrigued because in that accident, I was 
praying to God and asking Him for comfort. And on the sixth night, after not sleeping, being in and out of consciousness, being in tremendous pain, to where they, if they moved my body even three inches to try to keep me from the pneumonia from, from getting worse, I would go into unconsciousness again. At those times, one night I woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning and the ministering presence of angels was in my room. I will never forget it. A small childlike uh, creature sat at the end of my bed. I looked up. The room was filled with whiteness and that angel was there and I sensed the angel ministering to me as the verse in Luke chapter 4 verse 10 talks to us about. Confirmation of that was also the next morning when my pastor came in, he walked into the room and he said, Mark, what has happened to you? Your face is aglow. There is a beauty about your face. Have you been visited by, the, by a divine presence? I don't know how to explain that, but I do believe God has angels that are in charge of our lives and overlooking us. Those are tools, grace tools, that God has for us to get through the hard times. Leadership principle number two. You may not know what you're doing right now with regard to this whole idea of Scripture memory. I still try to memorize the Scripture. It's harder at 50 than it was at 20, I must admit, okay? And 50 is not too old, okay? I still enjoy the students OCU. I still can be a rock star some days at OCU, okay? So I'm not totally out of touch yet. They like their friends and I love my students, okay? But... This whole idea of, of, of looking at, stu at uh, this, this situation of our lives and this scripture memory, you have a tremendous opportunity to pour the word of God into your life right now to where you will see tremendous blessing with regard to your life in scripture memory. I uh, was going through this time and I remember from my Bible college days where I was asked to do the whole idea of scripture memory over and over and over and I would say wow what what are we doing here with all this this idea of scripture memory and I would go to my room and I would memorize scripture and I felt like I was so full of scripture I thought wow that's all I know you know just scripture pouring in well, well 10 years later as I was out of Bible college I'm hearing this accident and on the seventh night I'm, I'm there and I can't lift my head and the water was being put on my lips by my wife. I literally could not do anything for myself. And God just began to speak to me. Psalms 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, O God. The humble shall they hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. And verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him for 30 solid days when I had nothing to rely on a grace tool that was put in front of me was the power of scripture I challenge you this morning as you go out into ministry to be so full of God's word till you will not go to the right or to the left and God will guide you in every step of the way you will need the power of scripture to make it in ministry my friends the power of the Word of God. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, became a verse. 
Philippians 4.19, my wife and I had been in ministry. When the accident occurred, we had $500 to our name. We had no way to make it. I had no income. And I watched as God began to supply need after need. That was our theme verse in that time. God takes care of His children. And you need to understand the power of Scripture memory will impact you tremendously as you go through life on the journey in in which you're about to embark. Thirdly, I would say this to you. The people of God will provide a great encouragement. You say, Dr. Smith, this is so simple, yet we forget it. The first thing you want to do when you're going through a hard time is go to a room and be alone. Isolation is one of the first things many people do when they're hurting, when they're going through hard times. Debbie and I, after going through that time, being young in ministry and being young in our marriage, just said, where do we turn? We had no family within eight hours of us. We were in ministry. And we started seeing the church respond. Now, I don't know about you, but I am a huge, huge fan of the church. I believe in the church. In fact, I have trouble with us not assembling ourselves together like we used to, friends. Some of your generation don't understand yet. But the power of oneness, the power of unity that's presented in the church. You say, Dr. Smith, what happened? People from over 40 countries and states begin to pray for us and share that burden in our life. We received 400 cards, a young ministry couple just starting out, and $10,000 to where every time we needed a dollar to get through that crisis situation when my wife needed to go get some band-aids or some galls to wrap my arm in, or when we needed some pain relievers, or when we needed a prescription, or when we were just plain out of food and had nowhere to turn. God, every single time, sent a person from the church to respond and meet our need. I love the church, ladies and gentlemen. It's a powerful, powerful tool that God has given us. You're too quiet this morning. <laughs> Do you love the church? You're going to be the leaders of the church, amen? You're going to be the ones that lead those ministries. I had a pastor, we had only been going to his church two weeks because we had just moved to Indiana Wesleyan when this accident occurred. And that pastor took us under his wing. Every single day, he decided to be my encourager. He would drive an hour every single day read scripture with me, minister to me, and he did it for 30 or 40 days every single day. He got his people involved, and they started doing all kinds of things from cards to fundraisers to just stopping by and encouraging. And I watched a church come around us. Some of you are ministry leaders. Let me share something with you. Today, it seems that the church can tear down itself so easily. I'm not one of those people. I have committed my life that I will be an encourager every single day of my life. Anybody can critique. Anybody can criticize. And in fact, in a theological seminary, 
And in Bible college, we're taught to critique and look at things. But don't take that philosophy of ministry to your church with regard to how you connect to people. Critique the Word and analyze the Word. But with regard to ministry, love people. Encourage people. Lift up people. I get so tired of preaching around the country. I've preached now in 25 states plus. I get so tired of going around the country and seeing tiny churches and the pastor saying, well, we just can't seem to get this church going. And I ask usually one question. Well, what are you doing to love people? Give me five things right now you're doing to love people. I've been to all kinds of church growth seminars. I've been to every kind of equipped conference you can imagine. Let me tell you the simplicity of growth in the church. The simplicity of growth in the church is this. Love people and they'll flock to your services. What do you mean, Dr. Smith? You mean I'm going to have to work at this? <laughs> Absolutely. Just like you do at a marriage. You have to work at a marriage to make it great. 30 years with a wonderful lady. I just celebrated my 30th anniversary and I looked at her and I said, honey, this has been 30 wonderful years. I said, but I have one question for you. After 30 years, why am I the one that always still apologizes first? <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, because you're the one that's always wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked the question. We've never used the word divorce ever in our marriage. We just refuse to use that word. It will not come out. But she has thought of murder a time or two in their marriage. You know? But you have to work at things in life. And ministry, what's so beautiful about ministry is if you will get involved in a community and change that community. At Ohio Christian University, someone said, Dr. Smith, have you grown from 380 to 5,000? How are you getting the college moving forward? The first thing I did, I got all the faculty and staff together, and I said, here's what we're going to do. Every one of you must serve on a board of helps in our community. We went from being on five boards to over 105 community agencies and services and started getting involved. Eleven years later, a place that, this was said to me, Ohio Christian University or Circleville Bible College at that time, is a place that, does it train monks for the monastery? Now, the word on the street is, Ohio Christian University serves our community. We are in nursing homes. Our students are serving. We are in, involved in crisis intervention with regard to pregnancy services. We are involved. Our students are required. But I as president do it too. I'm the first to volunteer. Our staff and faculty are the first to volunteer. We have said Circleville will be impacted by Ohio Christian University. You can't send students out around the world to take them to the mission fields, to take the gospel, if you aren't doing it at home right here where you're at. And I drove into Wilmore this morning, and I drove into Lexington last night, and I wondered what impact is Asbury Theological Seminary having on this community. This little group of students can turn this place upside down if you will learn about serving and loving and encouraging one another. It's just a cup of cold water. In Jesus' name. I told you this would be simple. But if you'll do half of what I tell you, it'll change you. In times of disaster, it's the faith community that responds. It's the faith community that has responded first and best in places like Haiti, where my brother-in-law has served 20 years as a missionary. 
It wasn't the U.S. government that's turning Haiti around. It was the faith community. When Hurricane Katrina hit, we have a disaster ministry program at our university, a new service that we've started. We have a disaster truck. There are no Christian colleges or seminaries training disaster workers. And it's odd to me because in the Bible it says in the last days the greatest area we're going to need to ministry, do ministry is in disaster services. Nobody has programs. I've found two so far. So we started one at Ohio Christian University. We sent them down to help with hurricanes. We've sent them to Missouri to work with tornado victims. And what I hear over and over, the government can't solve the problems. It's the church that always is the one that responds. Remember 911? It was the faith community who picked up America. Remember the Pakistani earthquakes? It was the faith community that did and is still doing. Remember the fight for the unborn? It's not going to be the government that solves that problem. It's the church that will solve that problem. In the battle of good versus evil, it's the church of Jesus Christ that will bring about a revival. No government agency, no presidential candidate will do it. But the church of Jesus Christ, if we can learn to love and give and be the church, we will make a difference in this day. In the fight for the poor, in the fight for social justice, in the fight for the traditional family. It's the church that I believe in this day. And so I've learned there's a powerful tool called this grace tool of the people of God working together. In the last month, my wife and I have been through some tremendous battles, tremendous spiritual warfare. I just announced at our university that we're going to go through and we're going to try to train up a new generation of pastors. 100,000 pastors in the next five years are projected to leave the ministry through retirement and through uh, discouragement and a number of other things. And, and I just began to think about that. And I went to a group of Christian college presidents and I said, I want to raise up 100,000 new ministers over the next 10 years. Let's do it. Let's be a part of it. So we started a new program. We're working with Dr. Mark Fuller, pastor of the Nazarene Church in Grove City. They run about 6,000. He has the first six that he's handpicked out of his congregation to start little, church, little uh, education institutions and churches. I have a pastor in Dallas, Texas, who's going to take about 10. I have a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, two pastors, in fact, who would like to have five to 10 that they're hand-picking. And we're going to train them right in the church. We're not bringing them to our college. We're going to train them right in the church. We're going to put an initiative together. I just received my first $100,000, as I told a man about it, to see this initiative move forward. The only way in this day that we're going to impact the world is the church. May we be faithful in preparing them. But last of all, principle number four, understand when you're going through the crisis, the power of God is what produces the victory. World death is your victory. World death is your sting. World grave is your victory. World death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, you can learn all the theology that you desire to learn. You can drive out your Greek tractor and put that in front of the people and you will have insights and depths that will spur them on and encourage them. That happens to me every Sunday from those who minister to me. I love the study of the Word, the reading of the Word, the, the taking in of the word in memory, the word of God changes lives. 
But if you are not an anointed man or woman as you stand behind this sacred desk, what you do will be mere words. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you that will go forth and change lives. I will be as sounding brass, as tinkling cymbals if I am not able to have the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ flowing through. If you can understand this principle, you can face anything out there in the future with regard to your ministry. Understanding that you are God's child and the power of the Holy Spirit is what is the difference maker. I was raised in Galax, Virginia. Small Appalachian town, destined for the lumber mills. At 16, in high school, I stacked lumber all day. That's what my father did. That's what all of my friends did. And God said, no, I want to take a young man whose family has not been in college, who's a first-generation education person, and I want to take that life and begin to shape it. And I look today, as I have traveled the world preaching, as I've helped build colleges, as I pastored a church and took it from 25 to 378, it's a brand new facility, and begin to see that move forward, and God begin to work in that five-year period. I watched as I went to Indiana Wesley, and we had a little adult program of 2,500 that grew to 10,000. I watched at, at Ohio Christian as we had a little program of 380 students that now has almost hit 5,000. And someone recently said, Dr. Smith, how in the world have you done it? And I humbly say to you, I have not done it. I presented myself as a vessel for God to use in any way he sees fit. And it's been through online uh, classes. It's been through campuses all over the country, 92 sites at Indiana Wesleyan, 14 now at, at uh, Ohio Christian, spreading the gospel. Every single week we see somebody led to Jesus Christ through our online programs, confronted with the gospel. We see God doing amazing things. I can't orchestrate that. I can't make that happen. But I've watched the power of the Holy Spirit become the multiplier effect and God do amazing things. In a broken life, a broken man, a man who understands after three bouts with pneumonia that my very next breath comes from God. But he's given me grace tools in the toughest times of life to be able to be used for his glory. I've come to this point, and here's something you might want to just jot down and if you haven't. I've been trying to become more and more a man of prayer. I, I've uh, been doing prayer and fasting for a number of years now and taking that very seriously and asking God to use this life in some manner. And as I've spent sometimes two, three hours in prayer, I never thought I could even do that with the ADD I am that has to be always active doing something, you know. Uh, I never thought that I could do that, but as I begin to work and, and, and begin to ask God to teach me to pray, I begin to sense His presence working through my life. And, and recently, I needed to raise $5 million. I didn't know where $5 million was coming from. I didn't know who to contact. 
And I watched as I did a 40-day prayer and fast. And the last day, the Lord asked me to do a two-and-a-half-hour drive around our campus in prayer. I watched as God began to work and introduced me to people I had never met in my life. One man never met in my life, first visit, visited him. He said, you're here on a mission from God. I've never met you. God's spirit's all over you. And he gave me $1.6 million just for the ministry. Another man gave me a million. I need to raise five million. They say usually you get a couple gifts and then you have to take years getting the rest of it. In, in one period of 90 days, four and a half million dollars of the five million was raised, just like that. My little son, 30, my little son had $37. We adopted him from Guatemala and he had $37 in the piggy bank and he had seen daddy out trying to raise that money and he comes in to me one night at 10 o'clock and mommy said, dad, you better wake up. I was half in a, a doze, about half asleep and she said, you better wake up and she said, you're, you're going to see what's, need to see what's getting ready to happen. He'd heard daddy talking to, on the phone to donors and trying to get this new chapel we need to have at Ohio Christian. He presented me his $37 tears, said, daddy, I want this to go build your chapel. All $37, a little bike he wanted, and here's this $37. And I took that $37 down and put it in front of a group of businessmen. They were so touched, 600000 came out of that. I just watched God do some amazing things. And here's where I've come to understand that prayer, after praise and adoration, in my life at least, is for the purpose of preparing me to act on kingdom business. Prayer, after praise and adoration, we've got these cute little things we come up with, acts and all these things. Here's what prayer is. And I love it. It's great. I loved it. I've used it. But God's been teaching me to wait before Him. And prayer, after praise and adoration, is to prepare me to become a kingdom agent. To act on behalf of the kingdom. That's what I'm here for in life. May God help every one of us. America's in desperate, desperate conditions today. A desperate conditions. Because we as the church have not acted as his agents. There are grace tools for us. May God bless us as we use them for the days ahead of ministry. Thank you for the privilege of sharing. God bless you.